You are listening to Bitcoin, Blockchain and the Technologies of Our Future with Naomi Brockwell. We are live now. Welcome everyone to the Curmudgeon and the Utopian, a wonderfully delightful show with uh, the amazing Gene Epstein and Jeffrey Tucker. Welcome both of you. That's good to be here. Good to be back uh, after yes. a few weeks. It's been a while. It's been I've a while. I actually miss Jeff and uh, I, I couldn't believe it. I would ever miss Jeff, but I, I missed him. I missed you too. Yeah, I I worried that that as soon as I saw you, I just sort of exude with ebullient joy. <laughs> you uh, saw over the last few weeks, Gene was just becoming more and more utopian to compensate uh, for the lack of Jeffrey in his life. I, that's I right. We all have. <laughs> Meanwhile, Jeffrey turned into a total combustion. Yeah, so exactly. Is, so we well, roles are reversed now. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Who's this guy? This guy Ben 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 something. He's this this young crabby conservative guy oh uh, yeah i know who you mean Shapiro. yeah and, and i was thinking about because i listened to something you know he's he's hilariously compelling and if you listen to enough it does tempt you to just become like a just a crabby old conservative guy you know so, i think he got i think i had mobilized by tucker carlson recently though it was really yeah. just going over the, but another that's a digression let's get back to yeah, it yeah. <laughs> well today we are going to be talking about forking and secession a very interesting topic the right to secede um so i mean we've got some examples of this in history i know that western australia put through a, a petition they wanted to secede uh you know 100 years ago and then the federal government just kind of ignored it you have hut river in western australia as well that seceded in 1970 due to draconian wheat quotas that the government uh, imposed on all the farms and uh they, i mean the government's been fighting them ever since but they also haven't been paying taxes ever since and been taken off the electoral roll so fascinating our situation they've got what's going on in uh catalonia and spain and uh the government just kind of refusing the right of the people to to break away and then you had california talking about uh breaking away as uh, as well which is interesting and some people are like no this is terrible and others are like listen if they don't like the rules imposed by the federal government why not go and make your own rules and no not impose your rules on everyone else. So it is a very interesting topic. And also in light of Bitcoin, when you're talking about governance on chain, uh, when you're talking about all these different coins that, that can fork off and go different ways if they disagree with the, the path that something is heading in, you know, what sort of right should a coin have to do that? It seems that Bitcoin was designed to do that, but then recently you had the Bitcoin cash fork and there was a tremendous uh, amount of controversy because one of the chains was like, no, we're the only one that has the right to exist. We're going to attack the other one uh, until it disappears. So it's a, it's a fascinating topic and I'm really delighted that you two gentlemen are, are joining me here today uh, to talk about it. So welcome. Yeah. Yes, uh, thanks, Naomi. I, I, I want to jump in and and, uh, and uh, try to focus on first principles. Uh, Absolutely. And, and before get... you do that, Gene, I'll just say, uh, so if you wanted to use the uh, the Super Chat in, in Google, I recommend that if you have questions, I'll be jumping oh. in back and forth on the stream uh, so to ask these guys your questions. But also we have Power Chat. So if you wanted to use crypto and if you wanted 30% of the money not to go to YouTube in fees, uh, then you can use, if you go to bitbacker.io, I'll put that link in the chat. You can watch exactly. the entire stream, read the read the chat from Bitbacker, and then you can uh, post your power chats in crypto instead. So just an option for you if you are interested in participating in the conversation. So I'll let you guys uh, go and I'll turn off my camera now and um, and I'll just be hopping back in if anyone has questions. Yeah, my, my first principle, uh, Jeff, would uh, start this way. Uh, Let's see, I just see you on this small screen, but all right, that's good enough. Let's see, uh, but uh, my first principle is this, uh, which is uh, that uh, that uh, 
Phyllis, that we have to start with the individual and uh, we have to ask uh, philosophically uh, whether uh, secession uh, is possible for the individual. And uh, by secession, I mean, for example, uh, let us say that I would decide that I'm not going to use any of the money or monies that are extant. I'm just going to use uh, Epstein's. Let's call them Epi's. I'm, I'm, no, I'm no longer going to contract in money that other people use. I'm only going to contract in my own money. And I think that would be fine if I wanted to do that. Uh, uh, it does highlight the fact that uh, it, it's going to make it very difficult for me to contract with others. Uh, but uh, And maybe they're not going to trust me uh, to avoid inflating my own Epstein's. However, that's my right if I want to do that. I, I would say that most people won't want to do that because I think, again, I've insisted with you that money is a network commodity. There's a general uh, desire, a craving to use the money that everybody else is using so that you can buy and sell anything you want. But my only point is that none of us, uh, that, that to say that individuals don't have the right of secession is to say by implication that there's no right of divorce. It's to say by implication that there's no right to quit an employer whom you can't stand. Uh, and that when it comes down to it, all of us individuals have a right to go our own way as long as, obviously, as long as we don't violate the non-aggression principle and trample on the rights of others. And, uh, and, and I, I, that means, I think, that, and of course, it also means, by the way, that I, I have a right to say, well, Jeff Tucker goes to a certain kind of court and, and a certain kind of police protection business that he likes to go to, but I don't necessarily respect it. Now, if I do that, then I'm possibly posting that I'm a danger to others, and they have a right to think in terms of me potentially as a danger. But I also think that most of us want to get along with others, and that if we are potential dangers, others will be alert to us. So I'm not very worried about that anarchist, ultimately anarchist mm. position mm. about the right of secession mm. by individuals, the right of secession by groups. I, I will anticipate Naomi's point by by saying that the only problem that that a naughty problem with the examples that she threw out is that, for example, when the South uh, seceded from the North and the Southern states seceded from the North, uh, then or when, for example, the 13 colonies broke off from uh, from Great Britain, that meant that a lot of minorities that didn't want to do it were uh, not getting their rights respected. So that creates a naughty problem when when whole areas decide to secede and it's a democratic vote. But at least we can, we can, you and I presumptually can agree, Jeff, that individuals' right to secede in every conceivable way, if they want to do that, uh, is perfectly fine with us. Uh, do you agree with that, Jeff? Well, I'm, I'm glad you, you spelled out the, I was going to point out that yeah. you're basically advancing a theory of anarchism because yes, indeed. The, the existence of the state itself is, is, is collectively coercive. Uh, and I don't think there's any way to get around that. There's no such thing as a voluntary state. There's yeah. there's, there's no such uh, there's no state that that permits people to just leave it. Uh, any individual just to leave it. It's necessarily going to accumulate uh, and override people's preferences. So you are advancing an anarchist theory, and I That's right. I think it's 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 also I, I appreciate actually your kind of point of logic that. 
that if individuals don't have the right to secede, then uh, they would have to be uh, forced uh, into certain employer-employee arrangements. Uh, there would be no uh, marital uh, arrangements. Marital arrangements. I mean, you couldn't um, you couldn't move. For example, your migration would be restricted. Everything everything flips. But we should also reflect. I mean, the way you presented it sounds sounds easy and inevitable, but but it's not. Um, it, it's 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 a difficult problem, and even a century ago, you know, uh, this is the 100th anniversary of Mises's great book, Nation, State, and Economy. This this book book written right after World War One, and he's trying to figure out what is the best political future for Europe, and he sees he sees that that there's there's a, a greater possibility of peace if we stop having these forced unities of peoples who don't really like each other. And uh, and he uh, elucidates this this new principle to con- a contrast to the to the um, uh, monarchical nation state a principle of what he considered to be more democratic, mm-hmm. which is that any people or part of a people who want to separate from uh, a ruling regime should should be permitted to do so. And then he goes even further. He says if it were t- if it were technically possible to to locate this right even in the individual. Then it would have to be done. Now, what I yeah. yeah. Now, what's then he, then he couldn't figure out that part of it out. By the way, he couldn't figure that out. Oh, but yeah. you're talking about I, mean, I, I reread that. Yeah, I, I did my yeah. little. Okay, but go ahead. That was, that was 1918. Uh, you know, he was. He's. I think very. You know, I don't want to dismiss uh, Mises's minarchism. It was actually very sophisticated, based on a Hobbesian fear of. Of, of chaos that property yeah. rights be looted, that individual rights wouldn't be respected uh, in absence of, of, of a state. So he couldn't think his way around the problem. But here we are 100 years later, and we're surrounded by uh, new forms of technology that makes it in- increasingly viable to uh, recognize the individual uh, right of ultimately pure freedom, right? Just the the right of every individual to associate with whatever kind of rule system that we have. And and I think the best technological example of that comes from the world of blockchain, where you have these open source technologies that that essentially anyone can fork. But even there, you can see that it's highly controversial. I mean, it was a year ago, August, when the first uh, big fork uh, happened within uh, within Bitcoin itself, and I remember very well just the, you know the panic loose on the land. You know, it was like, well, you know, the point isn't anarchy. You know, the point is Bitcoin. You know, and and we can't have this terrible fork. And there was a lot of worry leading up to that, and then it didn't really. It wasn't actually a problem at all. It wasn't actually disruptive. It just meant you know the creation. Of 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 a of a different uh, uh, coin, uh, you know, using that fork and duplicating the uh, du- duplicating that blockchain and 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 running a new token on it, and it was it was no problem. But then now here we are a year later, <coughs> and the same thing starts happening to the new fork, and you know, Bitcoin Cash just went through this very hostile uh, fork uh, in the last two weeks, and I've heard people compare this, and I wonder if you accept this analogy. Mm-hmm. You think of uh, Bitcoin as Catholicism, you know, <laughs> and Bitcoin Cash as, you know, uh, Lutheranism, and then and then and now we're seeing ever more uh, uh, divisions and secessions within that. And so you've got you know Geneva style uh, Calvinism, you've got English style Puritanism, and now we're going to get you know the 
you know, thousands, tens of the thousands of American sects, you know, of in the 19th century, and that this is the future of crypto. It's a future of what seems like chaos, but actually, it's just a future of in, individual choice. And I, I, I support that. Well, yes, I, I do too. I, I, I do, however, uh, wonder uh, if uh, you, uh, you're, uh, you at least have one uh, difficulty, which is that a while back, uh, I forget which uh, discussion we had, you, you, were, you seemed to deny that money is, uh, is, is far, if, if, you, if you have a, a spectrum of, of network yeah, effects, uh, let me finish, the yeah. network effects, then clearly, and you started to insist that, oh, all commodities have network aspects. Obviously, all commodities and services do have network aspects to them, but I would submit to you that I, that the service like a haircut or sex work or uh, other thing, or examples I could use uh, have far less network qualities than money does. As a practical matter, uh, there are incentives to want to flourish materially in this world, and that's the whole reason, by the way, why we invent money in the first place. Why not have barter? What the heck? Isn't it more fun to trade eggs for cows? But mm -hmm. obviously, we want to facilitate, we want to relieve material uneasiness and therefore, I do believe that 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 the Bitcoin uh, forking is ultimately going to settle as, as long as the state doesn't get in the way, which is always a, a big risk. It's going to settle on one money or two monies because, by and large, people are not going to believe, are not going to accept the idea of so many currencies and that, indeed, the balkanization of money is mm. from states, not from individuals. Mm. And the example I gave was that is that was that world global trade primarily takes place with dollars because people have short pencils. They don't they don't want to use yen and euros and British pounds and uh, they want to use dollars. And dollar, of course, is the is the dominant commodity. That's the reason why I made the point that I could I could become a hermit. And of course, there will be hermits in this world who will decide. You'll decide. I will only use Tucker's my money and and that's if you want to buy something from me you have to give me tuckers and so on we could do that and there will be always people to do that but by and large people do want to cooperate that's that that's the market incentives that will prevail so that's the reason why when in giving your example of, of forking in bitcoin is that uh is that it will it it, it let a hundred flowers bloom let the let 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 the market sort it out i believe that the one money that's most easily trans, uh, transferable is going to dominate. You seem to have problems with that view. But well, I, 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 I thought I, I tried to convince you that that you're wrong based on, what? and it took me a week to figure a full week to figure out the answer to your. And why am your, I wrong? Well, I mean, we can go over this again, but but uh, but I'll just just point out that that now that we have money subject to uh, innovation, you know, like we had money frozen for a hundred years or several hundred years. Uh, so we thought we knew what it was. And and your, net, your, your network argument uh, presumes that you're talking about the same same good called money, that we know what money is. And once we find it, we're going to stick with it. You don't know what money but, is, Jeff? Is that No, well, we, we don't know what money is. No, we don't know. Money is, well, no, we don't know what exactly how it should operate, what should be the rules, what should be the technologies, how it should scale, should it be on-chain, off-chain? Well, off let me tell you what money is, Jeff. We used to think we knew what money is, but now, I mean, these forks are happening for a reason. 
this is because people think they have a better idea. It's not just that they, they want to have a brand. You know, it's not it's not as if uh, Bitcoin Cash is the same thing as Bitcoin Core or Ethereum is the same thing as Cardano or Smart Cash is the same thing as um, as uh, Zen Zen Cash. I mean, these I mean, are it, doesn't, all it doesn't really matter, Jeff. But uh, because obviously Ludwig von Mises didn't write the Bible, he didn't write the Talmud, and it's not on stone tablets. However, you just quoted Mises respectfully, and now yeah. you're actually saying that that Mises is not a good source uh, since he died uh, on the subject of money and what it does. Yeah. Money, is, money is a medium of exchange and Mises very specifically said that all the other uses of money derive from the fact that it's a medium of exchange and that money and that and that and that when we start with barter we eventually evolve to the more the greater convenience of the medium of exchange and that's what money does because cows versus 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 no. eggs are difficult to transfer. No, and that's what you repudiate, Jeff. No, is this that, is silly. It's like you're you're telling me. Look, we know. I just it, told you what money was, and you're telling that's not a good answer. What money is? All right, all right. I'm all asking right, a question. Just, I, let me just reduce this to the simplest possible level. We know what shoes are, right? But that doesn't mean there's only going to be one shoe for humanity. There's always going to be innovation in shoes and different purposes of shoes. They serve. Different but I tried to purposes. tell. Okay, excuse me. I'm glad you just said that you know what shoes are, because now you're also telling me you know what money is. So no. at least we're on the same page. Money is a medium of exchange. Shoes Why are those things difficult? that you wear to, shel- to to cover your feet. So, so, that, so that's so we know what we know what shoes are. And we know what money is. I'm glad that you that we've established the first principles of, just in this case of economics and shoes. So can we build on that? We know the big function of money, but we don't know the specifics of the the governance rules. You know, the we don't know whether people are going to prefer sandals. We don't know whether they're going to prefer soft shoes or springy shoes, right. and all of that happens. Okay, but we know what shoes are. We know when money is a medium of exchange. That's what it is of a, of exchange of goods and services that are that are unlike each other. Is that true so far, Jeff? That's what money is. No, I I will go into what we don't know, but I at least let's because I thought you said that we don't know what money is. We don't know know what money is. We don't, but you want to say, however, that we don't know what the best kind of money is. Is that what you're saying? That I agree with also. Yeah, we don't know that. I think that we had an overly specific idea, understanding of 20, 30 years ago. Everybody thought they knew precisely what money was supposed to do. Nobody thought that money, for example, would carry, would embed within it its own payment structure or smart contracting system. There wasn't anybody 30 years ago said, oh, money is a medium of exchange, but it should also have a payment, peer-to-peer payment system that's part of it, and it should permit smart contracting also. Like, none of these things, and it should guarantee your privacy, none of these other features Well, that's fine. Well, that's, well, excuse me. I don't disagree with that. I'm glad you just said that we, you repeated it five times, which is good. Money is a medium of exchange. Okay, we know that. And then we, and then, but, but then what, the only part of it that I do want to suggest to you, but I want to also, by the way, add something that I haven't as yet gotten the opportunity to say is that is that there is a strong incentive because probably we all can also say that the people want to relieve their material uneasiness mm. and, and they want to be able to travel abroad they want to be able they, they, they want the convenient they want convenient money mm-hmm. uh, they, they because convenience is also a matter of relieving uneasiness and therefore convenience of money also indicates that people will tend to want to use the same money the, because the problem is that if we have 11 different kinds of monies and and, and if the exchange rates keep altering that's mm-hmm. going to 
to create severe inconvenience. That's the reason why I pointed out to you, which I still believe is a good example, that in this world, global traders who actually do have minds and they do have brains, they, they tend to want to price things in dollars because that facilitates exchange. That, that, so that's another good example of the, of the human tendency to do that. However, so that's all I'm trying to say to you is that, is that the network incentive of money is very special to money and very different from shoes. I could be wearing sandals that, that with, 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 uh, with little uh, warmers on, with batteries down there to warm my feet. And you could be wearing seven league boots and it doesn't matter to me. There's no network effect with respect mm. to the shoes we wear. But if we're going to transact with each other, that, then probably it's good for us yeah. to have to be dealing the same. But I do want to make one final point, which is that which is that where I'm, I guess I'm at least for, with your point, which is that while I, that's a strong incentive on the part of human beings to do that, I, I'm in no position to predict how human beings will change or what will ever happen. And therefore, it's fine with me if if we have permanently bulk, if we have nine different currencies or 20 different currencies. It may be inconvenient for me, but if, if, but if that's the way people want it, even though I doubt very much that is the way they'll want it, if that's the way they want it, it's fine with me as yeah. well. That's all. So that maybe maybe I'm flirting with your point of view. No, I say I, that. I, it's, it's, it's all about it's all about innovation, and that's what these forks well, are mostly attempting. You know, through fits and starts. But I, I, I wish you'd aside from saying to me that money is a medium of exchange. I wish you'd acknowledge that that there is a strong network incentive with respect to money, an incentive that's definitely there and that seems to be manifest, as I mentioned to you in World Trade. Do you agree with that statement? Uh, yeah, I, incentive. I, I, I didn't say I, it's inevitable. Uh, yeah, I would say in and 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 you know, ceteris paribus, that that the, you, what you say makes a certain amount okay. of okay. rational okay. sense. Okay. Um, but but it's true for for other goods too. But I, let, let me, I want to run an idea past you, I'll be, only because I'm afraid we're gonna we're gonna jump down this rabbit hole of of uh, uh, the great conflict between uh, Bitcoin maximalism and and uh, no, so I was, I was I'm, I'm basically pro fork, and I think you are pro fork. I respect yeah. the assignment that Naomi gave us. Yeah. Well, I think I think your point is just simply that that. Uh, uh, you, you have some. You have doubts that these endless forks are actually going to get us progress towards a private money. No, I don't, no, I don't necessarily. No, 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 no indeed. Let a hundred. The, the Bitcoin experiment is in its infancy. The crypto experiment is in its infancy, and and yeah. and 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 there's there is the right of forking. I, I wanted to use analogies yeah. with respect to the idea that that I, I think you and I agreed that. Uh, that that there's no such thing as intellectual property rights. What's in your brain, and that indeed that's what it get. That's the root issue that it gets yeah. back to, which is that uh, uh, stories. I wanted. I was going to use different examples of the way in which people take a certain basic tale and how they modify it and use it right. and improve it. All well, of that. But you wanted to raise a point. So what we're going to no mention? no. Well, I want to run something. Run yeah, yeah, sure. yeah. See if you find this uh, uh, compelling, even the slightest yeah. bit. Um, and it's a little. Dis it's it's. It's it's interesting how your 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 opening salvo here, you know, uh, you know, all for anarchism and I'm for anarchism too. But it, it it was all a little bit too 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 easy. And and I just want to reflect back on why it is that that Mises a uh, hundred years ago this year was a little skeptical of the idea of of the individual right to secession. And I think, it, and uh, he didn't think it was technologically possible. But here's the only kind of secession that he imagined that he could envision in 1918 was largely geographic. Yeah. Right. So, um, 
and there was no other way to conceive of it, you know, and, 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 and so he imagined like ever smaller units, mo mostly bound by factors like language, you know, uh, and maybe religion figures into that, you know, but, but that's how he imagined uh, political groupings would, would, would occur. It was based on some, maybe, maybe a language, which is a reflection of maybe, uh, some some heritage, which is maybe bound up with religion or something like that. But the point is that in, in 100 years ago, people couldn't really imagine uh, geographically non-contiguous states, you know? So, for example, if I'm in Atlanta right now, mm -hmm. maybe I wanted to be part of the same rule-based regime as somebody in Sao Paulo, Brazil. All right. How am I going to do that in 1918? That's not even not even conceptually possible. Much much less, you know. I want to be in the same uh, rule based regime as somebody in Beijing or Moscow or something like that. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's just not even mm -hmm. wasn't even possible, uh, even in a limited sense, because we didn't have the communication technology. We didn't have we didn't have anything really. All we had was the even a hundred years ago, most of the people we could associate with were were you know, in any kind of uh, uh, permanent uh, regime style situation were, were geographically bound. In the 21st century, everything has changed. Now we live in a digital realm. And I would say probably today we interact with, with people uh, in a geographically non-contiguous way more often than we even interact geographically. I mean, maybe that's a toss up, yeah. maybe 50-50, but but at least half of our lives are spent uh, interacting with people geographically not on a non-contiguous basis. And that raises new possibilities of, of peaceful, universal, individuated secession in a technological sense that Mises couldn't even conceive of 100 years ago. Uh, and this is basically ba because we've, we've moved away from geography as the limiting factor in how we conceive of our associations. Um, and that pertains to money too. So yeah. I've, I've pushed my theory out there. I want to get oh, no. you Well, you know, well, I, I think uh, you, you, you have a good point. Uh, it is, uh, I can even, I can imagine that, uh, that people can form, would form some kind of uh, legal structure uh, among those who are sympathetical with them and it would cut across uh, geographic, you know, cut across oceans. Uh, all of that's possible. However, I, I, I do want to say about Mises that I, 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 I guess from my perspective, uh, Mises was a guy a little bit stuck in European traditionalism, and that, and that his his greater incarnation was manifested by the great Murray Rothbard, an, an American guy from Brooklyn with a twang, who had a little bit more of an irreverent view of the world, and and I do. Uh, we both did a little a bit of reading, given this assignment we got from Naomi. I did look at Mises' statements. I, I believe that uh, the best single piece on this subject, which maybe you didn't take a look, get a chance to take a look at, is by Walter Block on, on secession. He wrote a long essay about the right of secession. And of course, Walter was a real, obviously, disciple of Murray Rothbard. And uh, I, I, I think to come to get back to your uh, issue and the question, uh, while what you say has a lot of validity, there still is no question that I, I live 
I live in a co-op building with uh, with you know six other apartments. Uh, I, uh, I obviously walk the streets to get here. I obviously going to have uh, unavoidable interaction with yeah. people in my neighborhood, and therefore, uh, and while uh, what you say uh, obviously is 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 an important aspect of the new world, it's not the only aspect. Uh, inescapably. We are stuck in our geography, and uh, Walter uh, makes uh, the point, uh, makes indeed the extreme point and defends it very well, that, that the right of individual secession is definitely sacred. We're, we're not nose counters, and it, and it does not mean that, uh, that if you secede, uh, that you have to move. It should not mean that. All it does mean, of course, is that is that for example if you declare as i i use the example of money but if i declare i'm not going to respect the laws uh, that everybody else in my neighborhood respects if i put people on notice that i'm seceding completely uh from all of those things then i do potentially become a danger the reason why i i, I mentioned uh, money as an example and the network effects is that is that when we, you and i talk this way uh, then then uh, those who believe in hobbes it was really i think uh uh, Michael Humer, who made the point that the Hobbesian world, the world is run by, is dominated by by sociopaths. That uh, I don't, I I would not be fearful in such a world because because I'm just as afraid of the state and and, and just as afraid of of the police and other people with authoritarian power of me as I would be of other individuals. I I believe that by and large. People do want to get along and do want to cooperate and that they don't want to violate the non-aggression principle. So I don't think that would be a dangerous world in which we told everybody or a dangerous world, by the way, in which I tell you and tell and tell me there are certain laws that are so horrible, uh, p putting people in cages because they take drugs that you and I just cannot respect those laws. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah. My, OK, so my it's point actually, is, that, it's an amazing thing about about yeah. states and 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 as libertarians, and we try to try to make this point all the time. Time, but somehow it's lost on people that they they have more power over us than than uh, individual bad actors, you know, because you have to comply with them. And let me just give you an example. Um, you know, by the way, a lot of people can go through their lives and never actually face a direct coercion by the state. I mean, yeah. they, most of the coercion people face from the state is indirect, and so it becomes a little bit abstract to them. Yeah. But Here's something that happened to me recently, and I was really struck by this. You know, we have this obsession now with, with airline security because we're afraid of bad actors. You know, we don't want a bad person on an airplane to do some terrible thing. Okay. Again, also, we're worried about immigration. We don't want the wrong people, you know, flying here or flying there. You know, make sure your papers are in order, blah, blah, blah. And so we, we live in fear of this. But but I would suggest that uh, it's even more terrifying, the, the powers that the state has uh, presumed. Uh, to have over us and our freedom to move. Um, so recently, I was in I was in Bermuda for a conference, and I don't know. I've got some ancestors from Bermuda, and that's a beautiful place. I don't know if you've ever been there, but it's just it's just absolutely ravishingly gorgeous. I mean, it's mm -hmm. incredible. Then I was on my way out, and when you get through the first level of security, you immediately enter into what they call American uh, sovereign territory. And so the rest of the security apparatus at the Bermuda airport is entirely an American function. It's not Bermuda or an English function. It's entirely American. So you're in America when you're trying to board the plane. You're in America already, and the TSA is in charge. So I get, went up, and, um, and, they, and I was dressed, I don't know, like, like I always dress. And, and they said, oh, what are you doing here? Oh, what would you do here? Where are you going? Blah, blah, blah. 
And they started asking ever more invasive questions like, you know, where exactly do you live and how do you get to work? And, you know, how can you spend so much time in Massachusetts? And all these weird questions and questions that if you asked me, I would say, hey, cut it out, Gene, know your business, right? Mm. <laughs> but, the, but a government agent asks it and you suddenly, you have to answer and you have to stay calm and you have to give the right answers and you don't have any choice about it. So it already makes you feel a little strange. Like how... How can another human being force me to cough up these kinds of answers? So I gave him my passport. She said, hold on, and took it over to a security official uh, who, who uh, told me to sit down in this, this isolated room you know, by myself uh, while they held on to my passport doing, I don't know what, some kind of deep background check on me or something like that. Do you know that I sat there for 45 minutes? Now, and every time I stood up to try to, ask a question, somebody would bark at me, sit down and wait. So I'm, th- I'm sitting there thinking, I'm kind of in prison here, you know? Like, I have no volition about me whatsoever, and there's nothing I can do about it. If I tried to resist, they would shoot me dead. Um, it's actually a terrifying experience. It's mm-hmm. not just that it's, you know, in, when you have individual bad criminal actors, you can tackle them, you can run away from them, you can try to restrain them. There's a lot of ways that you can deal with bad actors, but when those bad actors are the state, suddenly you've got you know this legal apparatus that absolutely demands your compliance, and there's nothing you can do about it. That's what makes states so much worse than uh, than private criminals. Well, no, that's that's a good point, and that, as a matter of fact, it, 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 you are right that most of us, myself included, by and large. Uh, I passed in and out of Bermuda with no problem. I guess I was lucky. Uh, I looked less suspicious than you, I guess, Jeff. But who knows? But to the state, uh, less of a threat. But uh, but I, I will say that that uh, that actually the experience that many uh, upper middle class people have uh, with uh, with civil lawsuits is really uh, another uh, uh, thing that will often give them the shock of knowing That's right. that. Justice will be delayed and delayed and delayed. And it actually was captured by Charles Dickens in his book, A Bleak House, where, where there's this uh, inheritance lawsuit that goes on for years. And eventually the legal costs completely exhaust the inheritance. So there's no money left in the end. And uh, I have a cousin who was involved with a lawsuit in California who has gone through 10 years of prevailing and collecting, but the, but the ways in which the, the unholy alliance between the lawyers and the judges to delay justice and delay it and cost as much as possible and, and bring in consultants and mandate, and the costs incurred have now exceeded on what, what he's collecting. Oh, and so sure. that's a dispiriting example. And, and, and the other thing is that, and this is the amazing thing about, about states, they have this uncanny instinct to go where the money is. You know, they're... <laughs> <laughs> like the robbers from the 19th century, well, you know. And so, if you've got deep pockets, they're going to come after you and until they're completely empty. And that's that's the truth about the legal system. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, if yeah. you're a rich corporation, a rich nonprofit, or a rich individual, you're going to be the target. And yeah. Be, yeah and, and it's all legal, but basically, it's a form of of uh, pillaging that takes yeah. place. So, okay. in, in other words, uh, uh, you know, for, for as you, we can sit around talking about all day about the terrifying examples of a world of universal individual secession. Oh my God, what if this happens? What if this happens? What if, but I can't think of any single result of that world that would be as bad as the existing situation <laughs> where, where, where states, you know, combined with a sort of a ruling class uh, parasites 
can just pillage anybody's wealth, you know, at any time under the cover of law. And that's yes. that's the actual world we live in right now. Yeah. It's, yes. it's and, 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 uh, but I also want you to say that, that as much as different kinds of secession uh, cause a lot of emotional distress and concern in others, uh, we at least all acknowledge uh, the right of divorce. That uh, and uh, I mean, my my uh, my Japanese wife, uh, she was married years before to an upper middle class Japanese man. And uh, in those days in Japan, she couldn't, she would not have been able to get a divorce unless the man agreed. Uh, and uh, actually, I don't even know how it works in Japan. But of course, she was such a rebellious person and gave him such difficulty that he decided to let her go. You know, and allow yeah. it. But but that was traditional. That was traditional. Even in nineteenth century America, that could late nineteenth century America. That's the way yeah. divorce is handled too. Yes. But but we yeah. all, at least uh, most progressives, will acknowledge. Look, you've got a right to divorce your spouse. But of course, obviously, but if you do divorce someone, that it causes devastating emotional effects, potentially on the children and the yeah. individual. I mean, so it's not as though you and I would, you know, I mean, I, I go with Dr. Phil, who said, you know, give it one more chance, exhaust it, don't decide to divorce unless you know you can't get along. I think, oh, that's great. But obviously, I can't prevent uh, people from getting divorced uh, for whimsical reasons. Uh, do we have a question? Yeah, yeah, love them. Oh, thanks, guys. But uh, that, uh, that I just saw that note of that. But all I'm saying is that I, I want to use those examples with, with progressives who say, well, how horrible would it be if, if every individual could say, uh, I, I, I no longer respect the laws of my neighborhood. I don't think those laws are any good. I'm going to live by my own laws. What people who, who are going to act misanthropically toward others. I think that is going to happen. How, however, bear in mind that you, at least as a progressive, acknowledge that bosses have a right to fire people. Most of us acknowledge that, that people have a right to quit their jobs and, and leave others in distress. I, I just went to, I, I was I was basically fired by Barron's after 26 years, and I hmm. happily went because it was time for a change anyway. But I, I went through the distress of seeing uh, a lot of my fellows who were very upset about getting fired. All of that happens, and we all, I think, by and large, accept it. And so severing the, the right of secession does indeed mean potentially that you're going to upset other people. But it's so I, ironic that uh, we live in times where where the right of uh, the techn technological possibility of universal individuated yeah. secession is is prescient uh, yeah. among us. Uh, that both the left and the right are getting ever more nationalistic um, in, in their outlooks, uh, the left, left and the right uh, politically. So we've got the, the rise yeah. of nationalism in, in, in America and in, in Hungary and in uh, 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 Italy, and um, and we should talk about Brexit. Well, and they're, and they're, and they're, and they're well, Brexit. And, and, and of course, over the last 10, 20, 30, 40 years, there are more countries rather than fewer. By and large, the tendency has been, has been so that was well, that's but but getting to Naomi, well, I don't know, getting to Naomi's question, where she was asking, talking about the practicalities of it, where I said that 
that that that it's easy enough for us to talk from a, I, I from a philosophically anarchist perspective and say that in that world we wouldn't be fearful about living in that world. I believe that most people do want to cooperate and get along with others, and 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 I wouldn't be any more fearful in that I'm world. Not, I'm not I'm even in this sure one. about that. I'm not even okay. sure about what you said that most most people want to cooperate and get along with others. I'm I'm ever uh, uh, less sure about that. There are a lot of bad actors in the world, but this is to me the reason why we should get rid of the state. But let me ask you a very okay. That's fair. That I don't disagree with what you just said. Yeah. Uh, but let me ask you a very specific question. Oh, by the way, just to complete my last thought, and and just in the last two days, we've seen this Macron guy in France. Oh, Mister, quote unquote, liberal, right? Oh, humane, young, progressive, or whatever. Now we've got riots in the streets over the over his 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 godforsaken fuel taxes, and he's saying, "Obey the police." to stop attacking the police, you know, so he sounded exactly like Trump, right? These are, these guys are opposite ends of the political spectrum, but they, when it comes right down to enforcing their edicts, you know, you better obey the police. They sound exactly the same. But let me ask you a question about, uh, it is funny to me that Naomi didn't mention this because this is a huge issue right now. Let me ask you this. Um, if you were uh, a voter in England, would you have supported Brexit? And before you answer, uh, remember that most of the uh, advocates of leaving the European Union were not, it wasn't just about, oh, your terrible uh, bureaucratic laws emanating from Brussels. It was also, you know, uh, an anti-immigrant movement. It was a protectionist yeah. movement. It was a kind of a, a national, like a, there was a wicked uh, a British nationalism associated with that. Like it really unearthed some of the most toxic, <coughs> toxic elements of British culture. And yet you're, you're telling me that, oh, secession is a good thing. Um, uh, would, would you would you have supported Brexit? I I would have, but I would have had to hold my nose. Well, no, that exactly. I, I, you put it well. I, I, that's exactly my answer. I was about to. I, I would have had a, a, a lengthier answer. I would have, but I would have had to hold my nose. But uh, no, I. But by the way, I don't mean to say that 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 secession. Look, I, I could observe. Uh, two people who are just difficult and they don't get along. And I think it's unfortunate that they're getting a divorce. Maybe they should try to get along. Maybe I don't respect it. So I'm not saying that that I necessarily think secession is a good thing. I just think it's a natural right that's inescapable. And I don't have any fears about a world in which everybody has a right to secede. Uh, but although I wish many times they would cooperate. That's, that's often but, not the choice we're given. I mean, it's not like, oh, we either have these gigantic nation states yeah. or an individuated right of of uh, universal right of, of secession. What actually happens in the real world is that gangs yeah. are, you know, demand the right of secession in order to uh, impose uh, uh, another form of draconian rule over the rights of individuals. And that, well, that's well, a serious yeah. problem. Well, okay, Simone, I, maybe that segues into, I thought, I thought we haven't yet answered Naomi's initial question, which is that the naughty problem that that obviously you and I just said that we would hold our nose and vote for Brexit, yeah. but but then but then what about those people who are feeling terrible about the consequences of Brexit, in particular immigrants? I actually have friends who've been living in England. Uh, they're from uh, from one of the from Denmark, I think, and they like living in England, and they may be driven out. So and and then similarly, any any of the secession examples that Naomi gave, which is that one area, one one like the, again the southern states seceding from the northern states. A lot of people, or indeed the 13 colonies, 13 states seceding from Great Britain, a lot of people wanted to be loyal. 
kill us. And they, a lot, some of them migrated to Canada, but they didn't, they wanted to stay put and they wanted to remain lost. And so therefore, the, in, in that world, in the practical world, there's obviously a yeah. problem for you and me in terms of human rights, because if we say, hold our nose, if we say it's okay and we support it, we, we are trampling on the rights of other people who don't want it and who have to accept it. So how, what do you say to that? Not a problem. You took want to hold your nose about Brexit. What about those people who voted against Brexit? And well, this is actually a, a, a it's a it's a super serious practical issue, and 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 it's one that afflicted even you know in the nineteenth century. You know, where the South seceded. Yay! Well, that's what I said. Except except that then uh, North Alabama tried to secede from the Confederacy, and and they were stopped. And oh. one of the very first actions of the central go- government the seceding central government of the South was to draft people. So suddenly they're drafting people from Louisiana and sending them to Virginia to fight in their stupid war. So, and then not to mention the fact that, you know, uh, the entire population of slaves was never allowed uh, the right of secession. So the thing gets really muddy and difficult when it's not individuated, yeah. when, when, there's, when there's gangs. Mm-hmm. And, I, and I, I think that in the case of Brexit, I don't think it's an easy uh, uh, thing. And I have yeah. friends of mine who are you know, like free market libertarians in, in uh, the UK that were against Brexit for this very reason, because they thought it was going to bring to power some of the worst elements. The, the only thing I would say about this is that, um, in general, I think we should we should support uh, uh, secessions, you know, if if possible under any circumstances. But part of the reason for that, and I would say the same thing is true of Scottish secession, even though that movement's mostly a left socialist movement, is that uh, the smaller the state, the more dependent the territory gets on free trade. Mm, yeah. and, and, and so you suddenly have a kind of a, a, a political incentive to strike strike trade uh, peaceful trade relationships with your neighbors because otherwise i mean no state can live in isolation anymore we necessarily live in a globalized uh, eco- economic uh, environment so mm-hmm. so sometimes even though the political motivations of the seceding junta uh, may offend us they might find themselves after the secession takes place in a position to like be incentivized towards ever more cooperative engaging behavior with their neighbors just for the sake of economic survival. Yeah, so, well, now that's an, that actually, I, 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 that is an interesting irony. Uh, as you perhaps are aware, uh, when uh, we argue about the, uh, the tariffs of the 19th century in the U.S., uh, the point has been made that actually the U.S. in the 19th century was a good example of how free trade flourished because uh, because we did have you know 48 states that had no real trade barriers and similar currency and so there was an enormous amount the, the west traded with the east and all of that but I, I guess and so in that sense the fact that we had this very large nation state yep. facilitated trade but i guess you're making the point that actually if we if we had balkanization if we had many states they probably would have wanted to trade with each other anyway because they wouldn't yeah. felt the need to do so it it, it is an interesting irony well, by the way you know i i got really curious about this because like yeah. in public school growing up I was always taught that the reason we had to have a constitution yeah. uh, was that under the Articles there was protectionism between uh, between uh, states, oh, yeah. and, and that there was too much chaos, and that yeah. the purpose of the constitution was to facilitate better free trade arrangements. And I've asked various historians about the the truth of this, and apparently, you know, everybody's told me, "Oh, this is a complete myth. That this is actually complete propaganda. There actually weren't." 
uh, tariff barriers between states under the Articles of Confederation. This, I see. This is just Federalist propaganda. So the smaller the territory, the, the stronger the incentive for, uh, for free trade uh-huh. in the territories. So I'm actually, and this Brexit situation is a good case. Um, I think, as I say, I, I think I would have held my nose and voted for it um, on the anticipating that once Brexit actually happens, that Britain would be find itself sort of compelled to engage in some kind of free trade arrangements with the rest of, the rest of Europe and the rest of the world, and that no, no nation can actually be isolated uh, anymore. And that seems to be the way things are going. There's a, the EU just uh, issued a 600-page document that has to be ratified uh, by Parliament um, for the conditions of exit uh, in in March, and it mostly tries to preserve, you know, many of the trade arrangements that from which Britain benefited mightily uh, during the period in which they were part of the uh, EU. So I, I think that things are going to more or less work out as they should. It's a messy process, but, it be but all forks are messy. Forks yeah. are going to be messy. Neither of us are advancing a utopian worldview here. You know? Yes, yeah, no, indeed. Yeah, well, actually, no utopian point of view, but I guess I'm a little bit more utopian than you uh, in this case, because uh, I do believe that uh, there is there are network effects. People do want to get along with others. They do want to coexist. While you make to the point that we could live in a global village and I could just be, you know, you and I could be citizens of the same state, I do have to get along with my neighbors. I don't want hassle. Uh, by and large, uh, people do have a cooperative urge that that I believe is often suppressed by the state rather than encouraged. So I do have a certain, uh, I, that's why I wouldn't be fearful if everybody had the right of secession. I, I do want to segue back to, to the, the case of the South. I don't want anybody to think that we were, what well, you said, of course, you said it when you said that the South seceded and yet did they allow the slaves to secede? And so you're not going that route of thinking that they have a perfect right to do that. I, I do want to point out that that they were actually abolitionists who wanted the North to secede. And then once the South did, uh, then it would have been possible for the abolitionists to have their way and for them to say, we're going we're gonna to abrogate the Dred Scott decision, that any slaves who want to escape can do so. We're going to have a huge perimeter along the southern border that will invite slaves to escape. And on top of that, as Walter Block said, if, if, if somebody secedes, but if they're enslaving somebody within that house and they've seceded then they are they are committing a, a, a violation of the non-aggression principle and many of us have a right to intervene so in no way are we saying that the that the decision of the south to secede was some indicates that we approved of their slavery oh, sure. and then in fact as i say as a practical matter it might well have been possible to use that secession as a way to make it more and more costly to maintain slavery by encouraging along those those yeah. borders yeah, I mean, there was plenty of malfeasance to go around mm-hmm. north and south. I mean, yeah. you think about, you know, the vicious way in which the the, the federal government, uh, d- you know, drafted immigrants off the boat essentially mm-hmm. to go uh, to go fight, and yeah. and their stupid war. Or how ten years before uh, before Fort Sumter, uh, you know, uh, federal Congress passed a fugitive slave law, a law of eighteen fifty that 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 d- demanded that uh, returns, uh, escaped slaves be returned to the South. And Noah Webster even supported that. Yeah. You know? So this is a, a grim and ugly history. Did you say Noah Webster? Yeah. 
Oh, yeah. Da you mean Daniel Webster? No. Yeah, da Daniel Webster. Did I say Noah? Yeah. Yeah, Daniel Daniel Daniel. the dictionary guy, but yeah, yeah no, actually, no, he, Daniel Webster. Yeah, well, anyways, all right. Yeah, I want. Okay, want to say, just wanted to settle that. It may be a debatable issue, but like, well, I just right, have, um, I just have one question right, for you yes. guys. Um, and before I ask the question, I do want to jump in. So a couple of people sent power chats. Really, really grateful uh, to the power chats. So Polly asked something completely off topic and claimed it wasn't off topic, but asked if my glasses are real. How many pair do I have? Yes, they're real. I have three pair. One of them is prescription sunglasses sorry for the interruption this is i i what can i do i'm, well, wait, I'm, a, I'm a slave to those wonderful donors what's the difference between real glasses and fake glasses well if these like didn't have real lenses if they were just for like for the people like, with fake glasses so i could keep, so yeah. I could keep yeah. up with your fashion sense there jeffrey uh, uh, and then jr jr sent a power chat and said this is really a cool system and the chat is neat of gene and jeffrey so there you go jr is a, <clears throat> a big fan of you guys uh, but i have a question about Liechtenstein. so um oh. we know that Liechtenstein is like a great example of a very libertarian country so it's a monarchy but it's incredibly libertarian um hans adam ii the prince of Liechtenstein, he actually wrote a book in 2009 called the state in the third millennium which is basically um a book that outlines his his uh, his vision of a, a kind of an anarchic society yeah. or a very libertarian society, and he actually proposed. He said that the individual should have the right to secede. Mm -hmm. So that's what he wanted to put forward in Liechtenstein. Yeah. He no. said the individual should have the right, but then I think Parliament turned it down and said, "No, that's too much. <clears throat> that that can't happen." Um, but they they uh, compromised and said, "Okay, well, like." a small group or like a tiny town could have the right to secede. Yeah. So it's the idea that in Liechtenstein you kind of have absolute freedom. Like if you don't agree with something that's going on, you can always just say, okay, well, we secede and we're no longer a part of it. And Liechtenstein's actually fine with that. I just want your thoughts on that because I find that fascinating. And I just wonder, like, if the individual did have the right to secede, how would that affect society? Well, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm intrigued by, uh, you know, the, the, the monarchical element here. You know, it's funny in the 21st century, we still have these, you know, these uh, these these characters out there who have this blood lineage to uh, 19th century style monarchs. And and actually, most of these guys, to my knowledge, are uh, pretty liberal in their political orientation. I met I met the uh, the would be crown prince of Brazil when I was down there recently. And he's he's this broad minded liberal guy. Uh, you know, probably better than any democratic dictator that could ever be elected in Brazil. Then you've got this guy, you know, this guy in, in Liechtenstein. You've got you've got these uh, kind of remnants of, um, of the the Habsburgs, you know, in, in Austria. I, I remember meeting uh, okay. uh, the crown prince of, uh, of the Habsburg Empire, and, and again, liberally oriented, really cla classically liberal in his outlook and uh, very humane. And none of these guys like democracy. They all want to return to monarchy, but they're also big believers in freedom. So there's a funny little irony. It's all great. Okay, but you didn't address Naomi's specific question. That's a nice comment, Jeff, about the monarchy. But but uh, she's asking, individuals in Liechtenstein have a right to secede. How would that affect society? I, I do, again, I, I do think that we are stuck with the idea that that if that if individuals don't have the right to secede, then they don't have a right to quit jobs or get divorced. I, they, 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 the consequences of quitting a job or firing somebody or getting divorced or severing a friendship, all of those things can be devastating to others. But they, but we all grant them those rights. But if you if you want to say that 
for example, you, you secede from the legal system. That, that's the difficult question. I don't respect the laws. Well, okay, if you're going to secede and make that declaration, you do have that right, but others have the right as well to be on their guard about you. Uh, now, I, so I, I, I'm not going to be fearful about that world in well, which everybody has a right. Let me everybody has a right to secede from anything, from any agreement sure. and any state. And you, you have a right to declare. Well, I don't. Well, what if I were to say I don't? I don't respect the law against murder. Well, if you're going to say that, then others have a right to be on their guard and possibly to have a little preemptive action against you. All of those things are possible. I'm not fearful about that world. Maybe that's not an adequate answer to Nomi's question, but I believe that you can. You have a right to secede from anything. Right. And, 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 it, and if you become a social menace because of it, then others have a right to respond. But I'm, I'm, not, I'm not fearful about that. But what the is more, your answer to the question? The more liberal the state, the less incentive there is to, to leave it. So exactly, that's part of it too. And, yeah. and so the the, the right of individual society actually incentivizes states to be less egregious. You know, I mean, if, if your taxes were were five percent and 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 you were otherwise given complete freedom of association, and uh, and and civil liberties and everything else, you know, it, you know, there's a few malcontents out there that would say, okay, to hell with this, I want out. But it's actually not likely. Like the more liberal the state. Uh, <coughs> The less likely you are to secede from and then Lichtenstein can can make these kind of declarations because it is a liberal state. Well, that's right, and it also see it segues into forking and all the other issues and maybe getting back to John, maybe John Stuart Mill's uh, uh, perhaps excessive faith in the idea that if you commit permit freedom of speech and press, that that's when you'll get the best ideas will come to the fore. Now, you and I don't necessarily have faith that that will always happen, but there's right. certainly just as much of a chance that that will happen. Similarly, if people want to make declarations and say that I've, I secede, I will make the declaration, as I imagine you will, I, I secede from the agreement that, that if somebody uh, uh, takes drugs, that I'm going to turn them into the cops or sells drugs, I'm going to turn them, I completely secede from that. Now, that's, I, I believe a constructive statement about how best to get along with others that they have a right to put into their mouth whatever they want. I have a, I secede from the statement that people, if they say I hate the state, they have a right to say that. So we might have a more creative society, uh, 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 very likely have a more creative society. I don't put my faith in that, but I do think that it's inescapable that people have the right to secede. Similarly with forking and every other kind. There. The, if, if you can take somebody's idea and then lift it, you might be able to improve on it. Uh, that, that's really the story of art and music and, and uh, the, people steal. T. S., right. I think it was T.S. Eliot who originated the statement, the, the, uh, the, the profession, the, the amateur borrows, the professional steals. I no, mean, that was about art. Oh, yeah, that wasn't T.S. Eliot. T.S. Eliot never said anything interesting or profound in his whole entire life. I didn't mean to offend you because he, he was a Jew hater. Is that what you don't like about T.S. Eliot? He, he, he was definitely. I mean, somebody was, said that anyway, Jeff. He was a, a Jew hater, uh, but he was also a T.S. Eliot did steal from James Joyce. Anyway, uh, artists steal from each other. Well, uh, was, I think that was Steve Jobs who said that. Okay. Uh, well, by fine. the way, I detected your annoyance at my answer concerning the monarchs. And and I get oh, it. No, 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 no. It's just that you didn't respond to Nomi's question. I'm sorry you haven't met a lot of monarchs in your life. And <laughs> I I pledge to do my best to introduce yeah. up. Well, no, no, that, no, that's no, no. I'm, I'm sorry, Jeff. I, I was annoyed by the idea. I thought, well, gosh, you know, come on. She asked a question, and the answer question was, what about 
don't we have danger of people to see? And she said, oh, groups of people can see. Well, no, again, I, I guess Walter Block put it well. You know, the, the, the libertarian doesn't do nose counts. If, if, if five people or 10 people or 20 people have the right to secede, then one person does. They said, people are, are their own sovereigns. That's individual sovereignty. I was recently getting into that issue with uh, somebody. We, we are individually sovereign over ourselves and over our property. And there, there is no consumer sovereignty, by the way. There's only individual sovereignty. Uh, but uh, an individual, if they are sovereign, they do have the right to secede. And as disturbing as the implications of that are, I beg people to, to recognize the potential that it could make for a better world, an improved world, yeah. people actually were, were had and, to consider. And, 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 and fewer liberal. Nazis following orders and fewer people, right. all and, of that. And more, liber more liberal states. I mean, like if the yeah. French today had the yeah. universal yeah. right of secession so that you could just make your own deals for gasoline for yeah. that. Then there wouldn't be riots in the streets, and wouldn't be fires everywhere, and the cops wouldn't be unleashed on everybody, and Macron wouldn't be acting like a like a dictator, yeah. uh, which is what he's doing this morning to enforce his his stupid central uh, plan. Uh, you know, it turns out Macron and Trump are you know of the same the same types. I mean, in the end, the state, uh, no matter what brand it is, if it gets overweening and too costly, uh, they all they all basically become tyrannical. And regardless, and, yeah. and secession is 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 the ultimate uh, check on that, and and truly uh, a liberal idea. It's an extension of the idea of 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 human freedom, and more technologically possible now in the twenty first century than it ever has been. So I, I think I think it's an idea that uh, uh, as time has come, and uh, the the fork, you know, is a, a beautiful metaphor for and and and, and forking. Shakespeare stole his stories, and and. The great plots were the, the great Arthur Lancelot Guinevere plot was probably best done in Casablanca. You know, the, the noble guy has no sex appeal. The flawed man does. Bogey played the played the flawed man. Paul Henri was the noble guy. You know, the the Arthur versus the Lancelot, and the woman always goes for the flawed guy. And and uh, and Bogart heroically gives her up and says, "You have to stay with the flawed guy. We can't meet anymore. We can't have sex anymore." So he improved uh, the. Casablanca approved on the Arthurian legend, and they stole that was forking. That was saying, I'm going to take that idea and take it in another direction and bring it to a new level. That's what's been happening with art. People would have sued Shakespeare every day of the week for stealing from uh, from others. You know, the guy who published Plutarch's Lives was he did. So forking is creative, as you and I know. And uh, so, uh, but the only thing again, I would just differ with you and say we do have to live with our neighbors geographically. That's inescapable. So that always will be a problem, despite the new technology. That's the only footnote I would well, give. I, I, no, I think. I, I, I don't disagree with that. I, I'm, I'm only trying to draw attention to the newness of the possibility of geographically non-contiguous associations. And I think that's, you know, yes, it's a minor issue right now, but I think it's really exciting. We've never, we've never had that, that uh, before. So give you the last word, Jeff. We've exceeded our hours. My, my last word is I'm impressed by your Shakespearean erudition. <laughs> You say a lot of smart things, but that was that was really nice. Yeah. I gotta go back and listen to that. <laughs> Thank you, Naomi. You both uh, say a lot of smart things. I've been writing quotes in the chat, and people have been adding in their favorite Gene and Jeff quotes. I think I might like start to make placards to <laughs> send that out. I, I'm surprised, like Gene. I'm, I'm disappointed that you ha you've stopped saying things like "stop using your ignorance as a weapon" or 
you can get your head out of your ass for one second and and you'll hear what I'm saying. But meanwhile, I think like Jeffrey's favorite one today that I had was, um, was I'm sorry that you haven't met many monarchs in your life, Jean. I'll make it my mission to introduce (laughs) you to some. I thought that was quite great. Uh, But this was wonderful, guys. I really, really appreciate you being here and sharing your expertise with everyone. Um, And both of you are on Twitter. Everyone can go and find you uh, there. I think Jean's is at Jean Soho Forum and Jeffrey, yours is Jeffrey A. Tucker. Is that right? Uh Yeah. Right. So you can uh, follow these guys. They do a live stream, a regular one on my show. So make sure that you you subscribe and check that out. And if you're not part of our Telegram group yet, then uh, go and hang out there because it's always a lot of fun Uh, and you'll get uh, you'll keep you up to date on all the latest things in, in crypto and all the latest things, Jeffrey and Jean. Everyone, it's amazing, guys. I don't think you quite realize the um, the cult power that you're starting to cultivate in my Telegram group. Like, people are actively asking about you. There are a couple of people in particular that are actively uh, asking about you, <coughs> CJ, <coughs> um, and wondering, like, what color bow tie Jeffrey's going to be wearing. Is Jean going to fight with the light switch again? It's, 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 it's pretty enjoyable. Uh, but I love you. So I really appreciate you being here. And thank you so much to everyone in the chat uh, who's been here. I, I really appreciate that. Huge thank you uh, to Polly and to uh, JR for using the power chat on Bitbacker. Really appreciate that. Um, and if you know any YouTubers who are doing live streams who don't want to lose 30% of donations to YouTube, then send them to Bitbacker and uh, let me know so I can follow them and tweet Bitbacker. out. Um, Bitbacker. Bitbacker.io. Yeah. And I'll um, send out the links to people so we can all watch their live stream. And otherwise, go and enjoy your, your the rest of your Thanksgiving weekend and the rest of your Sunday. It's been wonderful hanging out with you all. Uh, a lot Thank of fun. You, Thank you, Naomi. Right. Thanks, Jeff. Thanks, Naomi. Bye-bye. For extra material and any links mentioned in this podcast, please visit naomibrockwell.com. If you'd like to watch the video version, please visit Naomi Brockwell TV on YouTube, BitChute, or DTube. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of Bitcoin, Blockchain, and the Technologies of Our Future.